This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett. Later we'll be joined by Husker Online intern Allie Snow here in the mailbag. But out of the gates, kind of a slow week around Lincoln, at least on the football front. I mean, there's been some camp news, uh, but really no movement, at least early in the week. Um, on both the Maurice Washington story and, and then the defensive line coach hiring. So it's just kind of the dog days. Uh, I think you got part of the football staff out of the office on vacation, just kind of taking a little break. Um, but really, um, you know, one of the bigger storylines that popped was early Heisman Trophy talk. And um, it, it's kind of your typical February storyline. But Adrian Martinez right now has the fourth highest odds right now to win the Heisman, only behind Trevor Lawrence of Clemson, Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama, um, and then obviously Jalen Hurts now at Oklahoma. And I, I think that got a lot of people's attention, but, I mean, it's not that far-fetched knowing the history of Scott Frost with sophomore quarterbacks when you go back and look at what he did with McKenzie Milton. Uh, but I think to, to break into that next tier of those top three, I think there's a – really really wide significant gap uh knowing how good clemson and alabama and even oklahoma are going to be next year yeah i think a lot of that heisman campaign is going to come down to team success and uh if nebraska can get into that double digit win mark where they're competing for a college football playoff spot then yeah uh, i think that will obviously be partly to do with individual performance by adrian martinez meaning he will have lived up to that hype and so i think those two go in hand in hand i mean he can put up big numbers but if Nebraska's eight and four, whatever, I don't think he's in the discussion. Uh, so I think that that's uh, kind of a good thing that you know that we've been basically for the last year talking about how 2019 sets up to be, um, you know, at least uh, on the schedule, uh, a pretty good opportunity for Nebraska to make a big jump. And if uh, Adrian Martinez can continue to develop the way that he did so quickly last year and Nebraska is able to stockpile some wins and be in that national conversation, um, he, he's going to be a potential finalist when all said and done. Yeah, I think it's going to take at least 10 wins, though, for this, mm-hmm. you know, for division cha- and a division championship, probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd have to play for a Big Ten title. And um, I mean, you look at what Lamar Jackson did at Louisville and um, you know, for two years. Now, obviously, he ended up winning it, but one of the years. But I mean, they had. I think he won eight games one year and, and nine the next. And um, you know, and the, the the field that year was not nearly as strong. As, he kind of backdoored in that year. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I don't think there's any way with this year's field that that uh, Adrian is a legit contender unless Nebraska wins the West or and, injuries. Yeah, mm-hmm. or injuries happen. Um, but I mean, it's going to take an awful lot. Now, the good thing is, I think is. That this is something Nebraska can uh, can kind of you know grab a hold of and and pump out you know recruiting guy here uh, spinning that recruiting weight. I mean you can you can put that out there for your for your for the prospective recruits that you're looking at and say hey look uh, the future is bright you know our true sophomore is already in the conversation for being a, a Heisman hopeful Heisman finalist or whatever and so uh, I think that's good. But another part of me thinks that that maybe the the outlet that put that out there is just trying to kind of yeah yeah kind of kind of fishing for some for some uh some traffic uh from some nebraska fans maybe oh yeah we've joked about that i mean i'm sure you know the bay area outlet that broke this maurice washington thing 
I'm sure they saw more page views than they've seen on a content item in years on that story. And Andy Staples, Sports Illustrated writer, made the joke. He goes, we used to joke at Sports Illustrated when we were low on our numbers for the month, right about Nebraska. Yep. <laughs> They'd get a nice bump on the numbers. And I was thinking about other Heisman winners that weren't on great teams. And you already mentioned um, Lamar, uh, Jackson. Lamar Jackson. I mean, Tim Tebow, when he won it, would as a sophomore was the same way. They were like a nine and three. Uh, they went to the um, the Capital One Bowl. They lost to Michigan that year uh, when he won the Heisman um, in in that year at Florida. That might have been Urban Meyer's last year, or did he do? No, he was never. He finished. I'm I'm way backtrack there. Urban Meyer obviously finished out Tebow's career, mm-hmm. uh, but that was Lloyd Carr's last game. I um, mean, Michigan beat them in that game, but that would be maybe a realistic way. But I just think with the playoffs set up and the championship Saturday. Those are just two huge things that to win the Heisman, you've got to be a part of both of those things, particularly Championship Saturday. If you're not playing on Championship Saturday, it's really hard, I think, to win the Heisman. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. I think that you know, regardless of the stats Adrian Martinez puts up, because uh, I mean, go that that year two after Lamar won the Heisman when he came back, you know, he put up ridiculous like varsity difficulty level on a video game <laughs> challenge uh, type type stats and he really was not even in the, in the legitimate discussion. I mean, he was a candidate, but like everybody knew your team's not that good and so nobody cares about your numbers. And so Nebraska needs to be good. They need to be in the national conversation as a team for Adrian to get that individual recognition and really truly put him in the in the conversation uh, to be a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. But uh, again, like I said, the table's set for that to potentially be the case i mean if nebraska wins the games that right now we think they're supposed to uh this team continues to develop and adrian martinez continues to develop um that is not out of the realm of possibility that by the end of the season he could be heading to new york as a finalist yeah and i think a lot of it comes down to your supporting cast what kind of what kind of pieces do you have around you i mean do you have an offensive line that's keeping you clean in the pocket do you have uh, wide receivers and running backs that are making plays you look at all the the playmakers that kyler murray had to, to work with this past season. I mean, it was ridiculous. And so, uh, yeah, obviously he's extremely talented, but uh, those guys made him look really good too. So uh, I think if Adrian's going to be a legit contender, you know, they're going to need to have some guys seriously step up and, and uh, you know, really help him out too. How the heck is he ahead of Jonathan Taylor, though? That doesn't make sense to me. When you, when you look at people that should be on that list, what is – I mean, Adrian Martinez had a good freshman year, but come on, Jonathan Taylor – should be up in that category. And I get it. The the award has really only gone to quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, Reggie Bush won it. I'm trying to think who's – has there been – Mark Ingram. Mark, you've had some Alabama running backs uh, get it. Two, uh, Derrick Henry was the last running back to win it in 2015. And that was just kind of – I don't know if he was really the best player, but Alabama obviously and then, Yeah, and then the last running back was 2009, Mark Ingram. And then you're going all Reggie the way Bush. back to Reggie Bush in 2005, yeah. which is vacated, so no one won the Heisman that year. <laughs> Remember that didn't count. Yeah, they, they, they probably did. They took. I wonder if they took the trophy. Sure, they did. I think they did. Yeah, I think you get like a replica. Like there's there's multiple so actual they trophies. They make they make three trophies yeah. every year. The downtown the athletic school, club keeps one. Yeah, the school keeps one, and, the and then the winner keeps one. And they give you a special case. And now when you win it, you sign something that says you cannot sell the trophy because mm-hmm. there's been a couple of guys that have fallen under <laughs> hard sure, times sure and have sold their. I mean, you could probably get. I don't even want to guess, but I mean, you you could probably get five hundred thousand dollars for a Heisman. There's not that many of them out there. Yeah, I don't know. That's pretty steep. I, mean, I wasn't going to go that high. Some collector that it depends on the fan base. I think and depends on who it is, and yeah, yeah, the fan base too. I mean, at Nebraska fan base, yeah. I mean, you got three Heisman trophies. Mm-hmm. If 
You Mike know, Rozier all of a sudden says decides he wants to sell his Heisman. Yeah, he could probably command some coin for that. Yeah. I mean, you hear like guys like Johnny Rogers and Mike Rozier pretty much make a six figure income just on appearances alone. I mean, when they go out and appear with the Heisman, they can get like ten thousand dollars for just one appearance. I mean, there's when you get that trophy, there's a lot that comes oh, yeah, with sets it. Sets you up for life, especially if you're from a fan base like mm-hmm, Nebraska. Yep. Now, Lamar Jackson at Louisville, I don't know if he's going to get those kind of appearances. Jameis Winston, Florida State, it's hard to say, but, you know, like traditional Oklahoma's, Nebraska's, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to make Anytime some money. Anytime there's a grand opening of, of a big store, they're they're reaching out to get you to sign autographs and do some sort of appearance or speaking mm-hmm. events, whatever. And they're not doing that for free. Nope. Here's the one thing why I think we're talking about why Adrian is in this conversation so much, um, despite really having a good but not a stellar freshman year, is he caught a lot of national attention with his performances that Ohio State game. Yeah, that was I remember good. national media reporters were watching that game and saying, wow, Adrian Martinez is going to be special. I think maybe it was Bruce Feldman it was. Yeah, said that this kid will be a Heisman Trophy yep. candidate next season. And so that ball got rolling And he said last that a year. couple different times Exactly. And so when, when that starts to happen, I think that that kind of – just puts you into that grouping, um, even if you know maybe you haven't accomplished quite as much on the field as some of the other people on that list. All right, well, we got a full show here on tap as we're going to get more into Nebraska basketball and what went wrong at Penn State in our next segment as uh, Robin Washington unfortunately had to watch all 40 minutes of that game, and we'll see if he still has anything left to say. Then we'll take your questions in the mailbag. Uh, we'll discuss the in-state tour. And then recruiting, uh, the big story this week, Nebraska announced they'll be hosting a satellite lineman camp with Adidas in Lincoln. Nate and I will discuss that and more. That's all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. How much of um, the first half scoring woes for you guys did you feel like was a symptom of of Penn State's defense versus what you guys were doing? Pat always has a ready to play hard and physical, and and so their their defense uh, didn't surprise me a lot. I thought we were good against their press. We organized well and and attacked, Um, and then we weren't as good just in the straight half court later. Uh, But, you know, one of the guys described our performance as lackadaisical in the first half. when the guys self-describe it like that, you know, that's usually a problem. And welcome back here to the Huskar Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. This segment brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, one here in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's this weekend to watch Husker basketball and all the other action going on at any one of those locations. Well, Robin, you just heard from Tim Miles following uh, Nebraska's 95-71 loss at Penn State. It was just the Nittany Lions' third Big Ten win of the season. Now, they've played a lot of teams close. Uh, Nebraska, on the other hand, obviously had the little seven-game uh, losing streak, but they had won their last two. So I think there was some optimism going out to Happy Valley that they could get this thing done. And then Penn State shoots 55.6% from the floor. They make 11 three-pointers. Nebraska doesn't shoot that bad, but they just couldn't keep up. I mean, they got boat raced really out of the gates and, you know, 44-25 at the half. Uh, And then they give up 51 points in the second half. I think Penn State came in uh, leading the nation or one of the nation's leaders in single-digit losses. And so their record – or they were a much better team than what their record indicated. And for whatever reason – Playing in front of 10,000 empty seats is like the hardest thing Nebraska's ever had to do under Tim Miles. They never play well out there. I know. They've won once in seven tries now. So, I mean, it speaks for itself. They lost five in a row. Uh, yeah, whatever reason, that's just been a tough place to play. 
but that's, you know, so what? Nebraska had everything on the line in this game. There was so much at stake. Their season was at stake. Their NCAA tournament hopes were at stake. Jobs were at stake. And that's the type of effort they came out with to where they led 4-2 to two early out of the break, and then Penn State responds with an 11-0 run, and Nebraska is done. I mean, the game was over at that point where I think the closest it got, I mean, that was the closest it got the rest of the way. Uh, and for, for that to happen with so much at stake uh, is inexcusable. And, you know, obviously you can point directly to the head coach, and he deserves a lot of the blame for not having his team ready and kind of that being the latest instance of this up-and-down team that for whatever reason has no consistency whatsoever where they can look like uh, a Sweet 16 team two months ago and then all of a sudden look like they can't beat anybody now. Uh, But I think it's also on the players. I mean, this is a senior-heavy team with a lot of veteran leadership to where you don't need your coach to sit there and press every single button and get the rah-rah speech at halftime or whatever. These guys came back fully aware of what was at stake this year and what was on the table for them to accomplish. And with everything on the line, especially with the final four games being what they are, for them to play like that, where it was the most uninspired defensive effort we've seen from a Tim Miles team in a long time. Was that the most points they've – have they ever given up more than 95 under Miles? Not in a regular season conference game. Uh, they gave up 93 to Iowa earlier this year. So, I mean, it's – Close. Yeah, so it's you – know. And Iowa played unbelievable that game. Yeah, and so did Penn State. And so, But the thing is, like, yeah, Penn State shot the ball really well. But Nebraska's defensive effort was so disappointing. Uh, that is, So you look what after they lost Isaac Copeland, that was supposed to be the identity that they had found. They'd rediscovered themselves as a team that was going to win with hard, intense, relentless defense that was going to make life miserable for their opponent. Uh, it was going to make for ugly rock fight basketball, but they were going to be in a position to win late in games, and that's when you know, the James Palmers, the Robies, the Watsons were going to take over and make individual game-winning plays. But when they play like that on defense, uh, oddly enough, the offense actually wasn't the problem. Uh, Their defense failed them miserably to where, I mean, it wasn't just that Penn State was making tough shots. They were making wide open shots. The defensive rotations were slow. Uh, They didn't create turnovers. Uh, They weren't boxing out. They weren't protecting the rim. Lamar Stevens did literally anything that he wanted with the basketball in that game. Uh, And it was just a complete collapse on that end of the floor. And that, that is the only way Nebraska is going to win, is if they play elite-level defense. And, uh, you know, the previous two wins, that's what they did. They played great defense, which made up for bad offense. And they were able to win because of how they were playing on defense. And so that that was probably, um, you know, maybe the most discouraging thing out of all this, that not the fact that they lost the game. I mean, they were four-point underdogs. And, again, that's just been, for whatever reason, a tough place for Nebraska to play. But they didn't stand a chance, and they were blown out of the water from the opening minutes and showed no fight or really any desire to play themselves back into it. Now, at home, they've only been a true Vegas underdog once, right, this year, Michigan State? I believe so. Yeah, they're favorite over Maryland. This weekend, Purdue comes in, the traditional 3 p.m. Saturday tip-off that mm-hmm. Nebraska fans have been clamoring for for years and they finally get one Mm -hmm. i mean do you think what's that line i mean do you think i I mean i I gotta think purdue is gonna be favored by about three or four yeah i I would be stunned if nebraska is favored in that game and purdue should be favored and they should be favored (laughs) by several points because they are a very good team and they're playing very good basketball and nebraska they might have the player of the year yeah and nebraska is uh 
let's put it bluntly. I mean, they're they're a train wreck right now. Uh, I mean, even in those two wins, you weren't really inspired by anything that they were doing. I mean, they were just getting by against two of the worst teams in the conference right now. Uh, and so, you know, you combine that with uh, the, what they showed last night. The team that played last night isn't beating anyone the rest of the way. That that team, if that shows up the rest of the way, they are going to lose out and will not be competitive in any game they play the rest of the way. So uh, I have no reason to believe that anybody's going to feel confident about Nebraska's chances. They'll probably be underdogs from here on out. And it's going to take uh, a miraculous turn of events uh, for them to flip the switch somehow I mean, I don't even want to talk about, you know, the, the chances of making the NCAA tournament. I mean, that is so, What's the path, that Robin? Is so far out of the realm of possibility <laughs> right now because, again, the, the team that showed up Tuesday night is not going to beat you know anyone. What? They're not going to beat anyone in the Big Ten. They're not going to beat anyone in the Power Five. And they're not going to beat anybody maybe in the mid-major level. They were that bad. You know what? It's This really adds to the salt to the wound. I mean, the bubble this year is just gross. When you, like, look at the teams that are getting in, I mean, the Big 12, they're saying, could get eight teams in out of their ten. Yep. So you're, you're basically saying everybody in the Big 12 other than Oklahoma State and I'm trying to think who the other bottom team is, uh, but they're Oklahoma, they're saying, is going to mm. get in the tournament right now. I mean, it, it's crazy that the Big 12 could be an 8-bid. I mean, that's how many – there's just a lack of teams right now. Well, yeah, the mid-major pool is nothing. I mean, you have teams that are running away with their conferences, and so there's going to be no bid stealers. Uh, the Pac-12 is terrible. They might get three or four. The Big East is And the down. SEC. The yeah. SEC is going to be probably five. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's what – yeah, you're right. That, that it just dumps a whole – carton of salt right into Nebraska's wounds that this there was so much opportunity here yeah uh, then the net ranking really helps you in a league like the Big Ten as this bad year. as they were they were still right there and all they had to do was try and find some way to take advantage of those opportunities and then again for them to come out like that is like I said it's inexcusable I mean they can't even play dead in a western right now no. I mean it's just it's <laughs> it's, it's awful just, like and I don't I it I get it. They've had some things go their way, and they came into the year with a very fine line that they were walking where a lot of things needed to go right for them to be the type of team that they were. But for them to be this bad right now, yeah, you lose Isaac Hopeland, that's a big blow. That doesn't mean that you're getting blown out by 30 against the worst-placed team uh, in the Big Ten. I mean, that that's not supposed to happen. You can lose the game, but to have that little fight, that little effort, that little intensity and just uh, desire – is just it makes no sense that things have collapsed the way they have and you're not expect i mean bill moose has been very very stern on i let coaches finish out the season yeah i, I mean at this it, point, it does nothing no it is yeah what are they gonna do give it to jim molinari i mean okay what, what does that do so you just let it play out let this story write itself and right now it's pretty much written itself so uh i know all there's a whole bunch of people that are ready for a change to happen now just wait a month you'll probably get what you want i mean obviously you can't say the season's officially over because technically there is still a five games minute, uh opportunity there but four quad one games right, remaining right now i mean you they're i'm not picking them to win any game the rest of the way uh just based off what they showed against penn state uh and so the, th- the story's going to write itself we, we all know how this thing's going to end and so just just let it play out and have a natural break and turn the page to the next chapter, which is hopefully much brighter for Nebraska basketball. All right, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus. We bring in Allie Snow. 
Husker Line intern. Uh, get, take your questions here in the mailbag. You worked your first baseball games this weekend. How'd that go for you? Yeah, it was fun. It was kind of a long thing to sit through, but we won, so I guess that's all that matters. Poor Grace uh, Harmon. <laughs> she had the doubleheader on Saturday, yeah, and she, she she manned up and took both games. Yeah, eight hours, she said. She worked on it. Eight hey, hours. we get paid to yeah, cover more sports. Money. No, no complaining, but <laughs> what do you got? What's in the mailbag this week? So the first question has to deal with recruiting. What is it going to take to break into the St. Louis area? Do you see us getting any recruits out of that area this year? Well, I think it's possible. I mean, first and foremost, I think Nebraska has got to go ahead and just plant their flag in St. Louis and say, okay, this is a city or an area that we're going to recruit every single year. We're going to stop by every single school every time we can get out on the road, regardless of whether or not they have a guy, and just create that presence. Uh, I think that's the most important thing, first and foremost. And then this, the second thing, I mean, you got to get one to get another and to get a couple more and to kind of create that pipeline. You know, it looked like at one point in time, Trey Bryant was going to be that guy. He was a well-known, uh, you know, athlete from the area, a guy that a lot of younger guys looked up to, but, you know, it just didn't, didn't pan out that way. So, uh, you know, I think Nebraska, it seems like they are creating more of a presence there. They were very active in the, the contact period in January leading up to signing day. Uh, so we'll see. You know, they've gotten a handful of guys from the area on campus already. If they can get some more in for a junior day or for the spring game, uh, for example, I think that would be a big step. But right now, I, I, I can't really say that there's a, a guy that I would say Nebraska is the leader with or that's a Nebraska lean. Uh, but it's it's way too early to, to write it off and say there's no way Nebraska's getting a guy from St. Louis this year. Nate, I think the other thing, too, that's going to help them over time is just keeping a consistency there with the same coaches where under the Riley staff, when I felt like they had an opportunity to get into St. Louis, they were continuing the position coach approach, um, which really never allowed for a guy to kind of you know get comfortable down there. And, Wait, you, and Kevin Cosgrove was a great example. He got very comfortable there at Wisconsin and Nebraska, where he could get guys out. He of had relationships. Year. He could walk into a school, and the coaches knew who he was because he'd been going to that same school for 10 years and even the players recognized who he is because he was in there every winter he was in there every spring you know any every time he could be out on the road you're there and that's what you have to do in certain areas you have to create that presence and you can't just go there when it's convenient for you you know when they've got a, a four-star running back that you want you can't just go there to, to recruit that one guy you have to have a relationship there and, and you got to bump the freshman yeah, in the hall every like, once in a while well yeah coach has got to know that hey you know what um, you've, you come here two or three times or more every single year for the last five years. And so I trust you and, and, uh, and our kids know who you are, so on and so forth. So I think that's what it's going to take, that consistency. All right. So after two years working with Coach Duvall, which position group do you see improving the most as a result of this strength and conditioning program? Well, I think the lines, you got to start there, both the O-line, the D-line. I mean, the, the length that they're going to add. I mean, I think there is 11 players over six foot four they've added to the roster. Um, and to kind of put it in perspective, I mean, that's that's almost doubles their number of what they had returning on scholarships. So I think the more length they add, especially on the lines, you're going to see those position groups, to me, make the biggest jumps. Yeah, I was going to say offensive line in particular. Uh, and I say that because I think that was the group that had the furthest to go 
on day one. And so I think inherently they're going to make the biggest gains. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that, that was a group that needed a complete overhaul with their strength and conditioning. They, they were not at a Big Ten level or at least where they needed to be to push around Big Ten defensive lines. And after two full, uh, I guess, strength and conditioning cycles, uh, I think that they'll be, will be significantly further along in that regard than they were, especially even last season. No doubt it's offensive line for me too. I think that's like like Robin said that that was the group that had the furthest to go and and um, th- that's going to be the group that you see the biggest improvement out of. We're taking your questions in the mailbag with Allie Snow. What do you have next? So Rutgers announced it would start to sell beer in their stadium. Do you think Nebraska will do that in the future? I I just have a hard time seeing full scale beer sales ever in Memorial Stadium, mainly because the fan experience is just not set up for it. North and South Stadium, it's just too cramped. Um, there's just not even enough room to hold a cup of beer without spilling it on the guy in front of you. Um, and then the bathroom setup, getting in and out of the 98 row sections. My idea, if you could do something like this, and Oregon had a great setup when we went out there a couple years ago, what their version of like the North Stadium would be, kind of like the practice field area, they had that roped off for just ticket holders to go in. And at pregame and at halftime, ticket holders could go in this area and get a beer in kind of a confined area. They couldn't bring the beer back in, but it was an offering for pregame and halftime. Maybe you start there someday, or maybe just allowing it back in the suites and then maybe the club level. And I think people on the club level, they're paying, you know, upwards of, you know, $6,000 for a pair of tickets per year. Like they deserve the right to have a Bud Light beer or Coors Light beer. Excuse me. That's who, that's who I'm sponsored by is Coors Light. <laughs> I was going to um, say, watch uh, your brand, buddy. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I, I think if you pay that kind of money, if you pay a hundred thousand a year for a skybox, which that's what they cost. I think you should be able to have a beer in the skybox. Yeah, I agree. But going back to your point, I, I'm with you. The idea of traditional full-scale beer sales, I don't think is going to happen. And if, if it does happen, Nebraska will probably be the last team uh, of any power school to do it. Uh, and the reason is because I don't think that there's enough support behind it. I still think there are a vast majority of people in the state that want nothing to do with it. Uh, they think it's only going to make for a toxic fan environment. They won't be able to bring their kids around. And, you know, to an extent, there's truth to it. I mean, you go to NFL games, they're nasty. You know, I wouldn't bring my kid to an NFL game. And so I don't know how much of that comes with just some some beer sales, but you're not going to help that. And I think that's going to be a fear with a lot of people, especially people that are in charge. And two, Nebraska doesn't need to do it. They don't need to bring people into their stadium. They're, they already got that covered. Fans are going to show up. If what about PBA? What about PBA? That is a completely different story because the number one draw for coming to Nebraska basketball games is the social aspect of it. The fact that it's right downtown, you can go to dinner and go to the game and people don't want to like have to just completely buzz up before they get into the, uh, the arena. If you can just have a couple beers during the game, I think that would uh, only add to the fan experience. So that's a completely different story that I think should have already happened by now. But as far as football concerned, I think the logistics don't make sense. There's not enough people that support it and Nebraska just doesn't need to do it. Haymarket yeah. park could probably get it before Memorial Stadium, yep, too. I think that's oh, another yeah. obvious one. Yeah, I don't think you'll ever hear the words beer man here inside <laughs> Memorial Stadium. That's just not going to happen ever. Uh, but I agree totally with the skyboxes and the club seating. I don't see any reason why, if you're shelling out that kind of dough, why you shouldn't be able to, to, to make the choice, yeah, I, I'm going to have a drink. Um, even if it's just beer, no hard alcohol, I, I think that should be allowed. I don't know about the beer garden. I, I think that could, you know – the optics of that, you know, bef- you might start to have a late arriving cl- crowd. 
uh, or have people leave early for halftime or come back late for a third quarter. And, and I don't know. That's something I think that the that Nebraska would look at. Like, oh, it doesn't look good when you've got an empty stadium before the game or, or after. You look at Wisconsin. I mean, shoot. Well, that's because the security for the student section, I mean, they literally – it's like one in it's at like a time. single file for like a, and the, a they quarter ch- of the oh, stadium. Oh, that's why the why yeah. Wisconsin yeah. – So everybody okay. says, whoa, the students aren't showing up. It's because yeah. like literally they go in like to a Airport one security. in, one out. Like, yeah, exactly. Wow. It's terrible. Like I, I've after many trips, I I've, thought they were just getting hammered. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're they're drinking. That's part of it. They're drinking right <laughs> up to the last minute. But yeah, I can't. If they could file in like they do at Nebraska, it wouldn't be nearly as bad. I see. Optics wise. All right, Allie, we got time for one more. What do you got? Okay, what's everybody's go-to song right now? <laughs> go-to. Mm. Uh, Maroon Five, uh, the gir- girls, whatever that song. I, I, okay. That that'd be my kind of like go-to. I got kids. We have Kids Bop Radio always going in the house. Kids, um, Bop. kids Bop Radio, man, don't mess with that. I, it's it's, it's uh, tolerable. I've it's, caught myself keeping it on the, in my car when the kids weren't in there. I'm pretty sure Kids Bop is coming to Lincoln or Nebraska or something. I think I saw that. Well, we might have to go to that. <laughs> so I'm not a big country guy by any stretch, but I will say after the Grammys came out, Casey Musgraves, yeah, she's fantastic. She won, she won so, a lot of awards. Yeah, she's one she's gorgeous two her voice is even more gorgeous and her album is further away from traditional country that i actually enjoyed so that's that's my new latest addition to the rotation the song that i've had stuck in my head or like the the at least the the music part of it is kodak black zz (laughs) i don't know the draw like the caribbean like that the hook at the beginning, I don't know. I, that's like running through my head constantly. It's either that or Frozen, uh, the Frozen, Frozen soundtrack. Which hey, which, Frozen Two's coming out. Oh, Look out! Great. Thanksgiving weekend. Can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. I'm Can you so imagine those movie theaters that weekend? I think my daughter calls me Hans more than she calls me Dad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Kristoff. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's uh, for me. It's it's little Kodak Black. All right, you, what's yours, Allie? Um, probably Offset has a new song um, called Red Room. He's part of the Migos, and he's dropping an album on Friday, so I know I'm going to be listening to that Have a you lot. had to do a DJ shift on KRNU yet? No, I haven't. Do they still make the classes do that anymore? I know I know one guy that is always doing music and stuff in there, so they might, but I don't know. Yeah, the, the music sure. options, I remember when you were in college trying to be the DJ at KRNU, it was like, it was pretty rough. I mean, you, you, yeah. you didn't know very much of what you were playing, and then you had to come on the air and talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I don't know about that, but... Well, Allie, I'm, it's good to see you as always. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy the baseball coverage, Allie, and uh, the other Husker Island interns will keep you up to date all weekend on Nebraska baseball versus Oregon State. All right, when we come back, Nate Klaus and I are going to talk in-state tour. Uh, busy week on the road again for us. We'll discuss what we saw next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, talking some recruiting now. Pretty quiet um, in recruiting. And we're going to talk about camps in our final segment in uh, the new big lineman camp in Nebraska announced uh, with Adidas and the Adidas Satellite Camp Tour. Uh, but in this segment, I wanted to hit on the in-state tour. Uh, Nate and I made the rounds. Uh, I believe we, were gonna get, we got into 10 schools this week. Um, about four in the Lincoln area, six in the Omaha area. Um, so we've had a chance, Nate, to, to see a, a lot of different guys, I think 15 schools overall. Um, and, you know, I, I think the big takeaway we continue to have is 
we already really have a pretty good handle on 2020 and who the guys are. There's some other players that could maybe emerge or kind of get up in that top grouping. But the more we get out, the more we see 2021 and even 2022 appear to be really legit years around the state of Nebraska. Yeah, I think the for 2020, there's a, a noticeable drop-off probably after like the top five guys and really – I mean, Xavier Watts and, and Xavier Betts, those two guys are, are, I think, at the very, very top of the board. And then after that, there's maybe even a little bit of a drop-off. But uh, for sure, probably about five five top, you know, legit guys that are all going to get D1 offers, I believe, um, for 2020. But you're right, 2021 and even some 2022 guys, I mean, the – the the crop of talent you know i think for those two classes could could approach what we saw in 2019 or maybe even surpass it uh which is good news for for nebraska because um you know when you look at when you look at the landscape especially within the 500 mile radius the competition for some of the the area's top talent is becoming more and more uh, you know, uh, more and more difficult to get. I, I think when you look at what the the new coaching staffs at Colorado, KU, K State are doing. I mean, they're all legit trying to lock down their borders, and, and in a lot of cases, they they're already kind of on a little bit of a roll um, and having some success doing that. So uh, it's going to continue to get more difficult there. And so to have those guys in your own backyard that are legit D one players is a big deal. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk. Uh, in-state tour and you know one guy that we did see Nate this week for 2020 um, that I think is intriguing and he's an eight-man guy Ty Han out of uh, Johnson Brock they were the uh, class D2 so the smallest classification of um, NSAA eight-man football uh, champion but he's got a legitimate resume he's 6'2 185 he's a three-sport athlete that plays AAU basketball over the summer um, a very, very good basketball player, plays on the same AAU team um, with guys like Xavier Watts and Isaac Gifford. Um, then in track, he was runner-up in the 100. He won the 200. He, he ran an 11-1 electronic um, this past year at Johnson Brock. So he's got a body of work that if you're a Scott Frost, a Matt Davison, former Class B, Class C type athletes in the state of Nebraska, those are the kind of guys I think that will really appreciate an athlete like this. And, you know, I'll be curious kind of how Nebraska looks at a guy like Tyhon. Well, yeah, and, and you, you just listed all his athletic accomplishments, but he's also a very bright, intelligent young man, too. I mean, he's, he's uh, um, you know, right towards the top of his class. And, and uh, you know, I, I think there's really – there's no – no giant weakness in in his uh, in his entire resume. So um, he's a very intriguing guy. I've been I've been kind of high on him ever since I, I saw what he did uh, as a freshman. Um, you know, I think he, he put up big time numbers uh, in that level uh, as a as a young guy just coming up. And you know he had the opportunity to go and maybe transfer to Lincoln or transfer to Omaha too. And and um, he stuck it out and, and decided to, you know that he's going to play for his own community and and you have to commend a guy for doing that too because I think all uh, it's becoming more and more prevalent now where you're seeing kids that are uh, you know jumping at the opportunity to, to transfer in and try to try to you know increase their exposure and everything which uh, I don't fault kids for doing that but uh, and certainly maybe maybe it would have helped Taihan I don't know but at the same time you have to respect a guy who who is uh, you know more than willing to stay and, and represent his community uh, very intriguing kid he's he's for sure going to land some division one offers it's just going to be a big question of who's who's the 
first team that's going to pull the trigger and and what other teams kind of follow suit. Nate, we also this week hit Bellevue West, Omaha North, Roncalli, Prep, Scut, Millard South, um, all throughout Omaha in one day. And, you know, you, you look at those teams and kind of the guys they have. I mean, Bellevue West is an obvious one, but – um, there's still some intriguing uh, players, really, at, at all these places. Uh, kind of when you look at some of those other teams in Omaha that we hit this week. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of names that are that are all you know sprinkled all throughout all those schools, um, and and some guys are are maybe you know fringe offer guys, and and some guys are for sure you know walk on walk maybe. on walk on you know FCS type type uh, players, and. Um, you know, and I think that uh, you know, bottom line is that I, I feel like the the talent level in the state uh, for 2019 through 2022 and maybe even beyond that, I don't know, but uh, it's definitely on the uptick. And, uh, you know, it's good to see. I, I think that, you know, the football and everything for, for the kind of the climate that the sport is in right now, you I think you, you've seen numbers overall kind of decline. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, the you're, you're seeing the pendulum in, in the state kind of swing back towards there being a lot of talent coming up through the ranks and I, I think one thing we've noticed Nate especially in the Omaha area you're, you're seeing kind of you know more trainers get involved with just developing kids not I mean obviously kids are going to be involved in their school lifting programs but uh, between a couple different trainers within Omaha that's becoming a thing out there I think you and I when we were uh, especially in the west Omaha suburb areas of Omaha we're pretty blown away how many kids were, were kind of doing individual training sessions on top of their school workouts. Yeah, pretty much everyone we talk to is working with a trainer, uh, you know, pretty much year round. And so, um, so I think that definitely aids to the development. Uh, I mean, obviously, all these co- all these schools have good coaching staffs, and and they they do terrific jobs during their their in season and off season training programs, but. You're seeing these kids are, are really dedicated to their craft and they're working out, um, you know, with with trainers, speed trainers, and working out on on strength conditioning and and even some position specific drills and whatnot. And uh, and that is that's definitely aided in the the development of a lot of these players. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk in-state recruiting. And when you look at, you know, I think two offers are out right now for Nebraska: Xavier Watts, Xavier Betts for the in-state uh, for 2020. I think we both agree Isaac Gifford would probably be the next guy in line. Uh, we saw Isaac this week, and I, I think Nebraska kind of a wait and see. Um, he had an MCL knee injury, and it was a full it was meniscus. In, meniscus, and it was a full a full um, repair. It wasn't a partial, so they it, it was a. It sounded pretty gruesome. The the actual root of the the meniscus came out. They had to go in and I guess full, I full know, repair attach that back in. Yeah, but do you see it? I mean. Do you see a scenario right now today with more than three in-state kids in this recruiting class? Right now, today, I, I'd probably not. But you know, I, I think there's there's a lot that that could uh, that could kind of transpire here over the over the next um, you know I don't know ten months or so. Uh, you know, I think that uh, when you when you start to really look at it, you uh, you know you you see. A guy like Ty Han, you know, if he goes out and rips off a, a great uh, track times and and continues to have a you know has a great showing at camp and um, you know and, and, and continues to to develop, you know, maybe he's a guy who's on the fringe. Uh, Amico Masoner is a guy that that could potentially be on the fringe. Um, you know, there's I think there's a handful of those types of players 
out there that uh, it all kind of depends on how they continue to develop and, and what their senior season looks like and obviously you know what, what, they, what they do during the camp season. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift the discussion over to camps. Nebraska announced this week they're going to be having a big camp in Lincoln, um, and, and we'll, get some thoughts, we'll get some thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we broke down some in-state tour, but wanted to shift now, Nate, over to camp discussion and uh, Nebraska came forward really uh, with a lot of their satellite camp and you know camp schedule plans here, um, but really the the biggest new wrinkle um, they're still going to be a part of the Adidas satellite camp tour. They're going to have two Friday night lights in Lincoln. Um, they're they're going to have a seven on seven. Um, they are going to bring a full padded team camp um, in into Lincoln this year, um, and they're expecting or hoping for ten to twelve teams in that. But the biggest development of them all was on June 15th, Nebraska announced they are going to be a part of the Adidas Satellite Camp Tour. They will hold a big man's camp in Lincoln on a Saturday, and the All-American Bowl selectors will be here with Adidas. They're a part of that All-American Bowl game, formerly the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Um, it will be um, an open camp for all Adidas coaches to attend, to evaluate. Um, and, you know, it's my understanding um, – Adidas, Nebraska, they're going to they're gonna be pushing a lot of guys to this camp and uh, really trying to make this the premier lineman camp in the entire country. Yeah, huge development. I mean, this is – anytime Nebraska can get something unique, I think is a big deal. And, and certainly when you can get something as important as an offensive line, defensive line, um, you know, basically a camp geared towards elite players at those positions, that, that's huge. And – um, and, and to have the the uh, the All American Bowl selection committee here, and, and kind of you know their presence, kind of helping to push the elite of the elite here to Lincoln. Um, obviously, Nebraska put, is going to push kids here, but so are the other teams that that are going to be coming through and, and taking a part of the satellite camps. Those other Adidas teams, you know, they're they're not coming for nothing. They, they're going to want to push. You know, if they're recru- recruiting a guy and um, you know they want to take a closer look at him or be able to work with him hands on, they're going to probably push him to to try and come to to their camp or to get to this satellite camp. And and I think it's it's appealing too to a lot of the other elite guys because a you know you're going to be able to to go and and compete compete against some of the best but also you know you're going to be able to go and be seen by a lot of other schools so um and as well as the all-american bowl selection committee so i think this is a, a huge development because you're going to have a lot of important players now that are going to be on campus and nebraska can kind of parlay that into some unofficial visits and um and as we know you know the the first step in recruiting anybody is is uh, you know, getting them on campus and letting them see what what Lincoln's all about. Letting them see, you know, you know, become familiar with your coaching staff and and what what campus is like and so on and so forth. So this is a huge, huge development, and, I think. And this is something, you know, when I was in uh, Atlanta with you, Nate, last summer, Shannon Furbach, uh, the U.S. Grassroots Director for Adidas, um, kind of the head guy or one of the head guys that works with the colleges and, and uh, really started the satellite camp tour he told me he goes we really want to try to figure out something that makes sense for nebraska and he goes we can't just do a traditional satellite camp there it just really wouldn't work um and you know nebraska they consider 
one of their prime partners. Nebraska was the first Adidas school, um, you know, over 20 years ago. Um, they joined Adidas in 90, in the middle of the 95 season when Apex went broke. Adidas took over the deal. They've been the first Adidas football school and the longest member since then. And he goes, we got to figure out something that makes sense. And you also get the sense that Frost was such a Nike guy. He came from Oregon, had a great relationship with Phil Knight. Um, you know, I, I think it's taken a while for Adidas and Frost and everybody to kind of get acclimated and working. And this is, to me, a pretty good start to try to get this thing going uh, with Nebraska and Adidas and try to do something like this. Yeah, I don't know if you'd want to call it an olive branch or anything like that, but certainly Adidas is kind of throwing Nebraska a bone here uh, because you're right. There's no way Nebraska could do your traditional satellite camp. There's just not the the talent in this area to, to you know run one of those. I mean, you're not in Houston. You're not in Miami or Atlanta or wherever. Uh, and so to, to be able to do that is extremely difficult. And, and um, it, but this is like the perfect little niche area where you could kind of throw Nebraska a bone and, and have it not only be good for the Huskers, but for several other teams as well. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see, you know, how it, how year one goes. Um, you know, I'm a little skeptical that you're going to see a ton of elite players jump at this right away. Uh, but I think as it, as you kind of continue down the road, I think, and you gain more of a reputation for this being the premier offensive defensive line camp in the entire country. All of a sudden, you know, two or three years from now, you're talking, you're talking a major, major deal. Uh, when, when I think that as this thing kind of, you know, gains, it has to work in year one though. Like, yeah, it can't afford to be a no. Bust. It can't I mean, afford to be a bust, but. Just like Friday Night Lights, you know, year three is going to be a hell of a lot better than year one was, um, and I think that's how, I think that's going to be the case with this deal. But if you stick with it and and you're able to to have this camp kind of carry a reputation of being the premier camp, it, it could be huge, huge deal for Nebraska. Well, I think uh, having the All American Bowl selection selectors, not the committee, I guess the selectors here, um, the guys that work with SportsLink in that group that is going to be a carrot that they could really dangle because uh, I don't even know how the select we're, we're not with we're with Adidas with rivals but we're not with the All-American Bowl um, so I don't know how the selection process works I mean it's not tied obviously to a, the rivals camp series it's just uh, there's a, a committee and I, I think if you tell guys hey you know this is your opportunity to come down and be a part of this game in fact um John Schmidt, or is it John? Who is the John guy? John Schmidt, Eric uh, Richards. Who is the guy that we met in John Atlanta? Schmidt. John, and you know, we talked to him down at the the camp in Mercer last year, and I remember telling him about Nash Huckmacher, and they haven't had a lot of South Dakota guys. He immediately started following Nash Huckmacher. Well, I think Nash Huckmacher is a guy Nebraska is going to push to come to this camp. Absolutely, that's a way he gets an invite to the All American Bowl, and they're going to have to give out a couple of invites at this camp itself, in my opinion, and it's going to that will that will increase the visibility of it that much more. Yeah, that's kind of the the carrot that I think they'd they'd be able to dangle in front of some of these guys and to get them to attend and and um, you know the the All American Bowl that's the the premier postseason you know all star game out there, and so um, you know when you can go ahead and and tell kids that. That uh, you know, you want to get in, come prove yourself at this camp. I, th- I think that a lot of those guys are going to jump at that opportunity. And you know, Nebraska is going to be smart too. They're going to have Friday Night Lights the night before, yep. so a lot of their guys they'll invite to that, and then the linemen can do the lineman camp. So you essentially get 
you know, two quality camps that weekend. They're going to have two Friday Night Lights at overall this year, one on the 14th, one on the 21st, and then the big man's camp will be on the 15th of June, and you are limited to just 10 total camp days. So Nebraska's got to be uh, pretty balanced with how they break things down. They're going to go to Atlanta again. They're going to go to Miami. Uh, they're going to go to Tampa um, and then they, they might work some other satellite camps in Memphis and Arizona, uh, maybe Stephen F. Austin. Um, then obviously the, the Lindenwood, Lindenwood camp in St. Louis, Nate, is another one that makes a lot of sense. And, and they've gone to that every year in its, exi- in its, in its existence. Yeah, the mega wood, or that mega camp, uh, the mega satellite camp or whatever they call it at Lindenwood is, is a big one. Uh, especially the first day of that two-day camp. I, I think last year there there ended up being like 1,200 kids that went through there between the two days, and uh, and definitely that first day was was kind of the, the more of the cream of the crop um, group there. So uh, I think it, you know we talked last section or in the mailbag at least about the uh, you know about St. Louis and what it's going to take. So I think that's that's a, definitely a camp you've got to hit, but. Um, you know, I think that in year two of Scott Frost and these satellite camps, the Adidas camps, I think they'll become more fruitful than what we saw in year one. Yeah, it will be interesting. And the way the 10 day thing works, so you can't really have your whole staff go. It's not as feasible if you're trying to run camps in Lincoln and camps on the road. And a lot of these days, as you see on the schedule, I came up with Nate, um, they do, there's a lot of double up days where. Um, you know, the, the staff will be half one, the other half here and there, et cetera. So um, it's a challenge to kind of schedule this out to maximize the, the 10 days. I call it the Jim Harbaugh rule, and you have to kind of really uh, be kind of strategic on how you use your 10 days. Yeah, you can't be out on the road for, you know, 20 days in June attending satellite camps for 15 of them and having five days of camps on your own campus. You, you get 10 days to have coaches working with prospective student athletes and and so and you got to Nebraska's got to be you know um, you know kind of be very strategic with how they split up their staff and who they're going to send where on the, on the road for satellite camps and who they're going to keep home for uh, for the camps that are on on campus obviously that that kind of does limit what Scott Frost can do because you you have to I mean anytime you have an event on your own campus the head coach has got to be there yeah so. June sixth the the Florida Atlantic and FIU camps are the same day as Nebraska's individual camp yep. and their specials camp yeah there's just no way that you can send that head coach out on the road when you've got <laughs> when you're when you got your name attached to a camp on your own campus so so that I mean that's kind of difficult but we I, I think how they did it last year was was uh, was pretty good I'm sure they'll tweak a few things uh, this year. And, um, you know, inter- interested to see, you know, what the what the results are, what the outcomes are from a lot of these. But but definitely the big news is is that the pipeline Adidas camp, the O-line D-line camp. I, I think I think this has a chance to be really special. Well, I'm looking forward to all that. Well, this weekend, uh, stay online on Husker Online. We'll have coverage of the Purdue game on Saturday, as well as all the action with Nebraska baseball versus Oregon State. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. So you're you're okay if I book everything then? 